Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Stand. I know that sometimes you go to church like, stand, sit, stand, sit. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word. And uh, Mark Stickle's going to come and share this morning's passage with us as we embrace God's word, his grace, and his hope. mentioned. Uh, this is a holy week for us. And holy week is not necessarily holy or something we are commanded to take part in. But it is a week we need to set apart as an opportunity to remember. It's an opportunity to pause, to slow down, and dwell on the events that took place leading up to our resurrection celebration next Sunday. It's an opportunity to remember God's faithfulness and goodness. It's a time for reflection and repentance. It's a week of love and action and a time to journey with Jesus in the closeness of the events of the week. And Christ painted a picture for the disciples which they would only understand in retrospect. Remembering these events provided the disciples with comfort and confidence in their Savior. The lessons from Holy Week would strengthen their teaching and faith as it should ours to live out and share the gospel. And we begin today, Palm Sunday, reading out of Matthew chapter 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Zechariah. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is he? Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus was, from a glimpse from this passage, Jesus was the most popular person in town. Jesus was the one that everyone was 
celebrating. He was the one that everyone was looking to for healing or for some kind of change and, and breaking of the chains, some overthrow of the Romans. Jesus was the one that was the most popular person in town. Have you ever been the most popular person in town? Anybody? Have you ever been the most popular person at work or maybe in your class? Am I getting closer? You the most popular person at home? When you're by yourself in your room, are you the most popular person? Anybody? All right. So three or four of you can relate to being the most popular. Certainly Jesus recognized where he was at. He recognized what was taking place. He knew what was going to take place through the course of the next week and beyond. But at that point, in that moment in time, he was the most popular person in town. And by virtue of recognition of where he was at, and, and certainly where we walk through in this series, we realize that in the way that he took this popularity and didn't wield it for himself, but instead continued with the will of God the Father himself, he realized that popularity is not something to be wielded or to be held on to, but something to be given up for the kingdom. And so as we walk through this series, we've been looking at things to give up, things in our lives that we give up, not just for the sake of giving them up, but so that God can fill us in a more deep way. And so let's first just take a moment to define popularity. And as we walk through this service, I'm going to, or this, this part of the service, I'm going to move rather quickly, but we're going to have the, the, uh, the, um, the points on the screen for you it's if you're taking notes today. The question is this, what is popularity? Definition uh, specifically comes from the root word popular. Uh, it's suitable to the majority such as the, the two main uh, definitions are frequently encountered or widely accepted, and then finally commonly liked or approved. This person that's in or this thing specifically, in our case, we're talking about Jesus. So this person that's in the, the limelight, that's, that's commonly liked, that everyone is praising, that everyone is approving. And popularity and or desire to be popular is more than just being in the spotlight. Specifically, as we look at this understanding of this concept of popularity, often what happens is not only does it breed wanting to be in the spotlight, it breeds being the one that's uh, the, the, the show, the main event, or the best. And Jesus himself saw this place that he was in. He was gaining popularity, and he made a great decision to simply just say, it's not about myself, it's not about what I want, it's not about paving the way for me, but instead it's about following God and allowing him to take this popularity, everything that I am, everything that I carry, so that I can lay it on the altar before him, and he can be praised, recognized, and glorified. He coined a phrase that I'm told is, a, is kind of an old phrase from a couple of decades ago that was said here often at this church, at Christ Community Wesleyan Church, in the study of a specific series by Rick Warren. And in that, that study, or in that series, this one phrase came back time and time again, and I've even heard it. It stood the test of time, time and time again, and it's the first point, and that is this, it's not about me. That's basically what Jesus was saying in this concept. He was walking in, or he was coming in on the donkey, I should say. He was coming into this new town. We call it the triumphal entry, which we're going to talk a little bit about that word triumphal and the way that the Bible uses that kind of loosely, if you ask me in this situation. Uh, coming in on a donkey is not necessarily triumphal in my mind, but maybe it is for you. But at this case, he came in and he said, look, it's not about me. 
Popularity says the opposite. Popularity strives for putting me in front and center, saying it's all about me, saying I want all the praise and the glory. And for many, it's a, um, it's a, it's a not about me posture that has to be this different thing because honestly, it's countercultural. It's not what we're normally used to. It's not something that we normally do. So the question is, how do we do it? How do we put popularity away? How do we give up popularity? And it's interesting to note that as, uh, as Mark was just reading, it's interesting to note that Jesus actually gives us somewhat of a template in this small passage of how he acted and what he did when he could have busted in the, the doors of Jerusalem and said, look, here I am. It's all about me. He went a different route. He did something quite different than we would typically expect. And I'm going to read a couple of verses here and there as we walk through this. I'm going to do so, as I said, uh, uh, as quickly as possible. And it goes like this. In verse 2, it says, go, this is Jesus' command, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And this whole thing is, is first and foremost to reveal to us the recognition of the animal that Jesus uh, decided to use to come into this town. He could have used any animal, as many that he could have ridden on. He could have ridden on a horse. He could have ridden on a camel. He could have ridden on an element, elephant. Instead, he came into town on, a, on, a, on an animal that is, is known for, specifically in that time, probably not as much now, but for humility and peace. And in that, he was riding in on specifically something that would bring forth the understanding that people would see that this is a humble beginning. This is a humble entrance and one of peace, not of destruction. Because even as we've talked about the last few weeks, the disciples in and of themselves thought that Jesus was going to come and bring a rebellion, a war, a battle to bring down the Roman oppression. And so he was revealing to them, look, I'm not coming here to start a fight. I'm coming here with peace. And if I could remember the exact way that it was stated, Julian, that you said it earlier, I don't know exactly how to state it. He probably would have said something along those lines with this concept of, I bring peace. I'm here for peace. This is what I'm about. And what he did within that peace and that understanding of what he was doing, the posture that he had, the, point, the first point is this, to seek humility first. How do we give up popularity? We don't go saying, okay, it's all about me today. Let's see what I can get out of this day or what I can do. Instead, we seek humility first in our conversations, in how we spend our time, in our interactions with others, in how we, uh, in how we invest our, um, our money and how we invest our resource. You don't put yourself on a pedestal. You don't seek your own will. You don't try to be or take something that's not yours. Instead, you seek humility first. You see, Jesus had a purpose. God the Father sent him. He came to this earth with a purpose, and he decided, in all essence, to follow it. Because he has free will, just like we do. He could have done otherwise, but he chose to follow it. And in John chapter 13, it reads like this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and returned to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer garment, or his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And here we, he reveals this concept of saying, look, it's not going to be about me. It's not about what I do. Instead, it's about serving. It's about loving others. It's about giving up popularity, selfishness, so that I might be selfless before you. And that one act, that small act, was simply just a, a, a small picture of the greatest act that he would ever do, the greatest gift he would ever give, his sacrifice for each one of us. The passage goes on and continues in verse 2. After he gives this command, he continues. He says in verse 3, If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and that he will send them right away. He took 
Uh, this took, him, took place to fulfill what was said through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see the king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And this recognition here through this, we see that Jesus, he knew the scripture and he knew uh, the Old Testament books of the law. He knew the prophecy that he needed to fulfill when he came. And the significance of the donkey and the colt is revealed from Zechariah 9.9, which reads like this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Sound familiar? Shout, daughter Jerusalem. You, see, your king comes to you righteously and victoriously, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, this indicates that Jesus was the Messiah, affirming his royalty, but the posture that he had affirmed his humility. And so while he was saying, look, I am the God of all. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you wait for. I'm also coming humbly because I love you and because I don't have a desire to do my own will. And this path of selfishness or selflessness, I should say, which breaks selfishness is this, humbly seeking the will of God. And that's what God calls us to. And if we're going to give up popularity, we don't seek our own will. We don't seek to build our own kingdom. Instead, we humbly seek the will of God. And Jesus had to humble himself, really, before anyone that was there, before all that he served, before all the people to embrace and carry out God's plan. You see, he couldn't selfishly go to the cross. He couldn't selfishly do anything. Instead, he had to do so in a way that was honoring to God and that was selfless. Essentially, Jesus points back to the will of God the Father, not his own personal will, Jumping back to this idea of a donkey, it's interesting to note, last year I shared a little bit about this idea of, of him riding a donkey in, and I kind of did this thing where I sat on a donkey up here. I don't know if you remember that or not. It's something that's burned in my memory, maybe not yours. So the, the humility lives on here, maybe not with you, but he was riding on a donkey, and perhaps his feet were dragging on the ground. It's not the most, like, conquer way to come in, and I remember saying something along the lines of, man, and maybe the movie had just come out, the live-action movie, but the, 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 the way that Aladdin comes into town on the elephant. Like he has all these, these, uh, these people playing instruments and all these animals. And he comes in with this big, long thing. And I think, man, what an amazing way. And I thought, you know what? That, I don't even think that's enough. You know, in the midst of the last several weeks, and perhaps you haven't heard this, but there's been some sonic booms that have taken place like in our area, right? And I, I couldn't help but think, but maybe, especially if the disciples had their way that, that Jesus would fly in like in a Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird, like at Mach 3, he flies into Jerusalem I mean, that would be one way to tear the curtain, right? I mean, we've seen the cracks in the way that windows break from a sonic boom. Maybe he comes in and he, and he tears the curtain and, all right, and that's not going to happen. But in any event, Jesus could have picked any number of ways to come in boldly and proudly to say, look, I'm here. I'm the one. I'm the one that's going to save you. I'm the one that's bringing forth the, 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 the only remedy that, that will bring forth or, or afford you the opportunity to be in the presence of God. I'm the one that's here. And instead, again, he chooses this humble and peaceful donkey. Verses 8 and 9 reads like this. A very large crowd, not just a normal crowd or a medium crowd, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And if you look at the, the context of how this happened, there was a following coming with Jesus down over the hill into Jerusalem. And there was also people that were standing there, large crowds that were gathering because they saw this group of people coming. They heard the commotion of everyone coming there. So there's kind of almost a clash of people that are there to receive Jesus and people that are coming with Jesus. And then in verse 9, it reads like this, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted. So there's people that are following 
following him that are like, what, 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 what's going on here? They're, they're screaming, they're, loud, they're, they're, they're shouting Hosanna, and there's people that are receiving this message like, oh, this is the Jesus we've been hearing about. It says, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And there's this understanding here from the part of the people that are walking with Jesus. Hey, we're part of something that's really going to change everything. They don't fully understand what it is or know how it's going to work. They're probably kind of even looking like, like, why is he on the donkey? Well, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, he kind of beats to his own drum. We get that. And there's probably some that are seeing him coming in and like, well, that guy, he can't be the one because he's on a, on a donkey. There's probably somebody else coming. In. But they're, they're shouting. They're, they're, they're all about what's happening. And here we recognize the third thing, now the third recognition of what it means to give up popularity is to be established and remain rooted in the truth. And this being rooted in the truth is this understanding that to discuss the, the fact that Jesus, his entrance, his call to it, his, his, his whole purpose to come into Jerusalem in that day was rooted in this reality that he's bringing forth a foundation of change, a foundation of, 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 of transformation in the life of the people that are there. You see, when Jesus enters into your town or enters into your life or becomes the most popular person in your life that sits on the throne of your heart, it brings a change. But for the people that maybe even were receiving Jesus that day, and often we, we think about, or maybe you don't think about this as much, but I think about the people that were there. Were they the same ones that were there, there at the cross? Were they the same ones that were, were casting stones? We look at all these people and recognize the fact that there's probably many in Jerusalem that they were, the kind of, they were blown and they were, they were moved and they were changed by the way that the wind was blowing for the day. We know a little bit about wind, right? Last couple of weeks, there's been wind all over the place. There's been things all over the place. Yesterday morning, I was outside. I watched my trash can just fly down the hill. <laughs> Perhaps you noticed some of the equipment out here. They're getting ready to work on the roof, and there's a, there's a porta pot over here. And when I came in yesterday, it was halfway down. And then when I, when I was leaving, it was all the way down. And I asked Joe. He said there was nobody inside, so we didn't have to worry about the gluteal folds or anything. We didn't have to see anything like that. We were good to go. But the recognition is that sometimes the wind blows, depending upon the, the attitude of the people around us or the things that are happening. And in essence, what we see, what we recognize is this. That if God wants us to, to be changed and we want to, to live in a place where we don't experience or we, we don't hold on to popularity, we do so by being rooted in the truth of who God is. Ephesians 4, 13 and 14 reads like this, until we all reach unity in faith and in the, the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In verse 14, when we, then we, we no longer, we are infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. See, popularity and acclamation in the eyes of others is fleeting. If we put all our faith in it, we'll be very disappointed. Instead, God calls us to put our faith in his unending love, his grace, the one thing that we can count on, the one promise that always comes true, something that we never or that will never go away, that we, we, we never can take for granted or should take for granted, because he'll sustain us. He'll never abandon us. So you've got to give up popularity. We have to give up self-centeredness. We have to give up kind of this me-first mentality. When I was 
Younger, when I was growing up, we used to read books with mom and dad, and I remember sitting with one of my favorite books with mom, and there was, it was the Book of Manners, and in the Book of Manners, it taught you to cover your mouth when you would yawn, to chew your, close your mouth when you would chew, it taught you, you know, not to, to do different things, and I remember there was one page called the Me First page, and ironically enough, I always wanted to be the one to read that page and do it first, Right? And it talked about this, the, the, the fact that uh, when you, when you want to go first, you don't really think about anybody else. When you want to talk first, you're not hearing anybody else. And what Christ is saying, in essence, and this is, hey, don't be me first. Instead, allow me to speak, allow me to change, allow me to move you. And so here's the bottom line, and it's kind of simple, but it might be difficult to put, or might be difficult, difficult to write, and it harkens back to that first point before we even started uh, in, the, in the context of the three, and it is this. You might recognize a blank line. The bottom line is this. In the beginning, we said it's not about me. I feel like that's not personal enough. So here's the challenge for this bottom line. Usually, I'll give you a fill in the blank. This one is going to be for you. It's not about you. And I don't want you to write you. I don't want you to write me. I want you to write your name. And so when we look at life, particularly in times when the wind is blowing in our favor and we're in the popular place, it says, for me to read, for you to read your own, it says, it's not about Steve. And that's a reminder. That's something that, that brings us back to focus, to understand it's not about me, but what is it about? It's about Jesus. It's about the humble entry of Jesus into our lives, the peaceful entry of Jesus into our lives. It's not about me, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And the amazing thing about giving up popularity is it brings us to the amazing action that Jesus did after he came into this new town, at, before he, he went into this place of, of recognizing it was time to, to, to be handed over to those that were going to try him, those that were going to beat him, those that were going to crucify him. And it's this moment that he spent after the triumphal entry with his disciples. While he may have chosen unpopular route at this point, he, he's shown his spotlight in this specific understanding that it was time to gather his disciples and to bring forth an opportunity for them to experience his goodness. Mark chapter 14, verse 22 through 24 reads like this, While they were still eating, Jesus took bread. And we had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, this is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. And the neat thing about that passage is like so many other, it's not just a historical artifact that we read and say, wow, it was neat that Jesus did that so long ago. Instead, he calls you and he calls me to join in that. And if you come here often, or maybe you come the first of the month, most of the time, you might recognize that we do this, uh, this, this one sacrament once a month where we come together as a body and we engage in the Lord's Supper, what we also can call communion, because it's a communal act where we come together, to be reminded of this most popular act that when he came in and this most unpopular act when he gave it all up. And not only call us to be remembering of who he was, but he calls us to be remembering of what he's done and how we can take part in that as well. 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment. We're going to, uh, to, to kind of transition into a moment of engaging in, in communion. And I'm going to pray over these elements. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And here's what I want us to do, to kind of seek out our hearts and to look specifically, if you didn't fill out the notes today, but look specifically within and ask yourself, is it about me today or is it about Jesus? Has my life been reflectant that my, 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 my heart, my everything that I am is reflectant for, towards Jesus and, and who he is? Or is it about my own agenda, the things that I want, what I can gain? I'm going to pray over these elements. And as I do, I want you to just take a moment to, to give back. Maybe even open your hands, your arms up to give back to God what you might have been grasping onto. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for the way that you move. We thank you for the way that you have moved in our midst. And God, as we, we've kind of shuffled through this, this recognition of this passage, we can't help but realize the action that you took. And you just basically, in, in all essence, detailed and, and demonstrated to us what it means, what it looks like to say, God, it's not about me, but it's about you. And Christ, as you have laid down your life for us, you do so in the recognition that you call us to do the same for you so that we might experience real life. And so, God, we ask you in this time, as we come together as believers, Father, to fill this place once again, to fill each one of us, that as, as we embrace this time together, we know you're already here. We invite you in, and we ask you to go with us as well. <clears throat> may this act, may this, this time of embracing this sacrament, may it be an opportunity for us to grow in our faith, to know you in a greater way, to give up all that we are, to give up our popularity, and to experience you. God, we pray that you consecrate these elements. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.